Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. Um, A bad news story for people who want to become famous actors. Oh no, actresses. they're not going to make it. People who act. They're, they're not going to make it. Uh, one, because, let's be honest, you were never going to make it. You should have listened to your condescending parents and gotten a real job. But on top of that, the world's first feature-length movie to feature a AI actor has uh, just been put into production. Now, see, that's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. doing some very talented people out of a job. Putting a lot of scientists into a job, you could argue, uh, a little bit as well, but it is a little bit miserable, all right. So it's a film, there's a budget of about 70 million in it, and what they've done is they've gotten an AI robot in the lead role of this of this movie. And uh, it's a, two Japanese scientists have developed this, and they have trained, this is where it gets crazy, they have trained this AI robot how to be an actor using method acting techniques. So they've kind of programmed it to be able to observe and, and do different kinds of styles of voices or do different styles of acting and it is going to be the lead the lead actor in this movie which is about uh, it's it's about weird again it's about weird dystopian AI kind of future movies and I think they're trying to maybe reflect that with the AI character in the lead role but if you were going to be an actor and you were struggling to find work now you're literally competing with robots we're all screwed yeah see that's the thing in terms of accents and technique you know if an AI robot is being trained to an inch of its life it's going to be much better here's the thing here's the thing no no mood swings you'll never have a Christian Bale meltdown no. on set with a robot They're, you won't have to pay them anything by the way you, you might have to pay the scientists something but you won't really have to really pay them much and I think you just have to upload the script to the AI brain it'll never forget a line ever that's true and also you won't have a Jared Butler moment in PS I Love You where he cannot do an Irish accent you won't get that again oh, <laughs> I like actually now yeah, now I'm like, okay, maybe they're good ideas. So we don't have horrific, or yeah, or a Tom Cruise Irish accent, accent as well. I can't remember what, what show he butchered, but um, yeah. So the movie is about a scientist who discovers dangers associated with a program he created to perfect human DNA, and helps the artificially intelligent woman he designed escape. And the woman is Erica. Erica is actually the robot, and uh, the robot's going to be obviously meant to be, take on a, a human enough character. So the first movie to have a artificially intelligent robot actor will be released. It's just gone into production and uh, 
Yeah, they all said not to worry about creative jobs. They're all like, the AI will only, you know, my, transport might be affected, repetitive tasks in manufacturing and engineering might be affected. It, M- McDonald's and banks, things like that, where robots are coming in and now acting and presenting. Mm. The Chinese TV station uses a... Uh, uh, Robots, they're not necessarily robots, what are they? They're kind of uh, simulations or whatever it is. But yeah, we're all doomed. We're all doomed. You don't have to worry about cost or time or any of that. You know, they can go all through the night with a robot. You don't have to worry about, um, yeah, you don't have to worry about uh, drug problems either. Not a lot of actors can kind of go off the rails every once in a while. Or the worst, an ego. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about that in. You know, people might miss it. They're like, give her a bit more ego there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, so, so listen, that's happening this evening. Uh, another. This is another terrifying story. Oh, of uh, did you did you ever know someone who had an incredibly possessive mother, like overprotective mother, as oh, in when they were a kid, overprotective and didn't let them do anything or go out or stay out late. They're always the one that had to be home early. Couldn't, couldn't, mm. just couldn't do anything. No, thankfully. Joan the Moan was amazing. She gave me free reign from the age of maybe 10, hence why I went completely <laughs> off the rails as a teenager, which yeah. she regrets now. But yeah, yeah, most of my friends, parents or mothers were really protective. They wanted to know mm-hmm. where they were going all the time. I, I haven't texted my mom in three months. I don't have to text <laughs> her ever. This, this has been the way since I was 10 or 11. So I've never had this overprotective... Uh, f- uh, either of my parents have never been like that. So um, I, don't, I don't have personal experience with it, but... I do know the girls that did have that kind of mother went completely haywire from the age of like 18 and they're still not okay. As soon as they got into college, they were just riding everything around them. Oh, uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still doing it in their 30s. <laughs> <laughs> and they're married. Oh, and you're like, okay, now you can't be yeah. doing this. <laughs> uh, the, the reason I want to bring it up, I imagine if you have an incredibly overprotective mother, how suffocating and smothering it must feel and just the frustration. And uh, it probably doesn't even stop when you're 18. You might be like 35 now and you're still like, oh, okay, listen, this is getting a bit too much. But what about this? A, a story that's come out of Russia this week. A woman was prevented from leaving her house by her mother for 26 years. Ah, uh, here. Yeah, uh, here. Now, that's not preventive. That's like, that's criminal. That's locking somebody up pretty much against their will. So, this Russian woman, overprotective, and uh, again, the same stuff, didn't want her going out, stopped her hanging around with teenagers and was trying to protect her from the outside world. One of these stereotypical, possessive, protective mothers who's like, bad things are out there. And the only reason that this woman, the, the daughter, left her house after 26 years because her mother fell ill and had to be hospitalised and she had to run down to the shop and then realised it was the first time in 26 years that she was outside of the house. Sure, that's just abuse, isn't it? That's, yeah, pretty much abuse. Uh, she may not have, uh, she wasn't like chained up or anything, but the emotional abuse of keeping her inside, yeah. I'm sure, is technically, um, technically illegal. Horrific. But in saying that, I do remember a friend of mine being grounded for three months of the summer. Yeah. And I mean, she was not allowed out for three months, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so there are parents out there that are like that. And by the way, that girl in particular. <laughs> Let's just say she does not have her her things together. She is wild. Oh, really? Yeah, and she's 32 now. So, I mean, it didn't work in her favour. Kind of, yeah. 
they'll rebel in their teenage years and it'll become worse than probably what it would have been um, if you're a bit more, maybe a bit more lax. So there you go. Uh, the woman hasn't pressed any charges or anything. She would claim that she's kind of fine um, and would claim that there is no issues or anything. So I don't know, there might be a bit of Stockholm Syndrome or whatever else is going on there in that woman's head. But she oh, had not be been outside the house in 26 years, which is insane. Moving on now, <laughs> face bras. Sounds like a little bit stupid and idiotic, but when I say face bra to you, any ideas pop into your mind? Uh, face bra, yeah, like you said earlier on, someone maybe who has, you know, like what I have on my head, those lumps on my head, maybe they have two lumps on their face and they need it covered. <laughs> uh, close yeah it's a very strange item you can buy this but 20 Australian dollars uh, Australian company set this up um, I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure if it's a scam or not but there are reviews on the website there's people who have reviewed this item on YouTube but again you know these online reviewers bloggers they'll do anything for a tenner so you can just throw them that and they'll review your face bra it is for it is for you if you apparently want to get rid of your double chin oh that makes sense I thought it might have been, you know, those people that have very um, full cheeks. Yeah. Fat cheeks. You know, they kind of look like they're storing food in their cheeks, basically. Usually you see it in kids, but not so much adults. But Um, it's for your double chin. This is apparently for your double chin. So this is what the company has gone out and saying, that um, in just one use of one time wearing this device so to try and describe it to you it's it's just like a sling for your face so it comes underneath your chin and around the top of your head and it's got like velcro straps and gaps for your ears so you put it on it's kind of like a weird like kind of sports helmet or rugby helmet or hat that you'd wear um, but it goes underneath your chin around your ears and you kind of velcro it and stick it at the top of your head and you're meant to put it on and it's meant to get rid of up to a centimeter from your double chin and it's meant to remove, this is what they said, they said it'll remove your double chin without dieting, exercise or going under the knife. Uh, and that's what they're guaranteeing. And it'll remove and drop your facial fat. Now, it, it, all it's doing is squeezing the fat somewhere else. Like it can't actually burn the fat. So it's obviously just giving you a superficial change to your face. But it looks absolutely insane and absolutely, uh, absolutely Ridiculous. And here's how you have to use it, by the way. You have to use this face bra for 40 minutes, three to four times a week. Would you be well? No. All you need to do is put down the cake and get on a <laughs> treadmill and you don't need to be buying this at all. And, you know. You just like, have to accept your double chin for what it is. It's beautiful. Don't be double chin shaming here in 2020. You know, you can't shame anyone anymore. Uh, but would you, like, for, for the for the sake of 40 minutes, three to four t- times a week, sitting down there with your face bra on, like... What? Like, are you going to tell someone I'm just going to wear my face bra now? I'm just going to pop that on. Why are you trying to hide the fact that you have a double chin? Because you're making it a lot more obvious by wearing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's a luminous pink, by the way. It's not like subtle or skin colour. It's a luminous pink. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Listen, you can, you can buy this. There, I checked out their Facebook page as well, and they have a load of comments. A lot of them seem to be hidden, and a lot of them seem to be... <laughs> Deleted, um, but there are reviews, uh, face slimming, face mask, face bra. Uh, there are a lot of reviews online of people using these. So listen, if you want to have a look at it, it's the weirdest fitness item I've seen in a long time, but you can check it out, face bra. And now, three we've to four had times Damo, a week, 40 minutes. Yeah, Damo Clark was in testing a lot of different, very strange products. Should have gone and this. this would have been, yeah, this would have been something we would have given him. Uh, people are buying it. So, I mean, if people yeah. are buying it... Who, who's the one running to the bank laughing? 
Oh, it's the face bra owners with all their money yeah. hidden in their face exactly. bra. And look, do you think strippers will start wearing this now in nightclubs and you slip the 20 into their face bra as opposed to their normal bra? Who knows? I don't yeah. know many strippers that would have too many double chins going on. Maybe I'm I wrong. know, it just depends on what type of club you're going to. If you're not going to exactly. any of the high-end ones now, Saoirse, who knows what you'll be seeing. Um, right, so <laughs> that, that is the face bra. Um, another story this evening. We'll, we'll end on this absolutely morbid story now. Tonight, and you know, this is one of the worst sides of social media and one of the most grim sides of social media. TikTok is exploding at the moment, one of the most popular apps. Had a, a few security issues. Some people said it was a spying device for the Chinese government that has since been rejected. They got under a little bit of controversy late last year when internal notes came out that said if people were fat ugly and poor, they were to be deranked in the listings and they weren't to be promoted and shared. They have since uh, issued a statement saying they're not doing that anymore. But a lot of people are posting up mad stuff on TikTok. You have everything from the funny stuff to a lot of the riots that are happening over in uh, the United States and the United Kingdom. But this just, this is just, blows my mind when people decide to film this stuff and put it up on social media. So a group of teenagers were over in Seattle and they were going for a little stroll the other day down by the waterside and they came across a suitcase, a normal black suitcase that had washed up on the side of the rocks by the water where they were walking. Okay. What was in it? Yeah. What was in it? Any guess? Um, bondage stuff. Nope. Something sexual? Nope. Oh, no. Body parts? Yep. An arm? So, no, no. The human, human remains. A dead body which was wrapped in a bag which was placed inside the suitcase obviously had been dumped um, and a murder had taken place. But uh, they decided rather than to ring the police, they uh, shared this on TikTok and had a great old time poking <gasps> the bag with sticks, opening it up, laughing about it and uh, kind of commenting on it and doing things like that and then shared it online like hashtag crime, hashtag murder, hashtag TikTok. You know what's really scary? I think especially younger people are now desensitized to this kind of thing. I remember years ago something very tragic happened in a certain shopping center uh, here in Dublin and somebody, somebody that I was friends with on Facebook actually ha- happened to be there, took a picture and put it up online. Now, I had to delete them because I just thought it was psychotic to do something like that. But, um, you know, to, for someone to be able to take a picture of a cri- of a scene of a crime, basically, and put that up before their family have even heard about it or anything else it's just yeah it's a weird it's a weird one isn't it to look at that and kind of go oh get that online that's great content that'll go viral you're kind of like yeah it's so strange dead body pal why are you putting that up online so anyway police were called out found a second suitcase second uh, suitcase with the other body parts in it Um, but they initially didn't realise what was in it but they were recording for ages and then they obviously did realise what it was in it and then they obviously decided to kind of go you know what let's post this online happy days so um, yeah maybe if you come across something like that I don't know if social media is the first port of call that you should be thinking about when you do something like that but that's the final story here this evening on down with that sort of thing careful now Seattle teens they found a suitcase stuffed with body parts and human remains and again they thought it was a great idea to post it to TikTok probably not Probably not the best idea. But that has been down with that sort of thing. Careful now. If you come across anything weird, anything mad or wonderful that you would like us to cover, get in touch. Drop us a WhatsApp. 87 This is Niall. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Fake news is getting out of control. And what in the name of God are we going to do about it? Because 
it's I, I put my hand up. I I've shared fake news, thinking it was real news, without even yeah. thinking, because I think you know the internet's so easy for you to just retweet or reshare something, um, and we've seen people believe certain things that are are not true, and I think. The climate we're in at the moment, everyone gets a little bit panicking and goes, oh no, this is happening, and then, then can share it around. So um, what's one to do about fake news? You know, it's getting a, bit, getting a bit mad. It is getting a bit mad, and especially for me, I went down a rabbit hole of believing everything I read, thinking that yeah. the world was going to end. But it really affects your mental health then, because you start worrying. Worrying unnecessarily because nothing is actually fact-based. So anything that you, you're reading online could be written by Tom, Dick or Harry. You know, they've just made it up and they're spreading it around and people are sharing it. And for some reason, your brain tricks you into thinking, believe it straight away, don't even... Oh, yeah, it's, that's so true. And especially, you know, there was the odd voice notes that were going around WhatsApp at the start of the pandemic. People being like, lads, the army's going to be out tomorrow and the whole place is going to be shut down. And if you go outside, you're going to be tased and put into like a concentration camp somewhere. And you're like, oh God, and people are sharing it. Yeah. One, just out of fear, I think, anyway. But... um yeah, so what are we meant to do as a as a society with so much fake news spreading all over the place? Kind of like a virus in and of itself. Well, somebody whose job it is to investigate fake news, studying disinformation, studying conspiracy theories as well, which I'm sure that's a, a fun job to do sometimes anyway. Uh, he's a journalist working for uh, the BBC monitoring news uh, over there uh, and around the world as well. He joins us now on the line. Uh, we'll very welcome our guest here this evening, Cheyenne S- Sardar is a oh, damn it! I thought I had that. Cheyenne, <laughs> Sardar is a da. Is that anywhere near your surname, Cheyenne? Yeah, I think that's a five out of ten for for your first attempt. Five out of ten. That, that's we, terrible. We, 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 <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I do. I do apologise. My just you know, yeah, I was trying my best. It's a, it's a difficult surname. How do you pronounce it again? Sardar is a da. It's always fun trying to see how people try to have a crack at it the first time. Yeah, it's just my uh, my mouth is nearly not even used to saying it, those combinational letters. Sar, uh, is a day. Is that any anyway better? Yeah, that's, I think that's seven out of ten now. Yeah. Right. Okay. Perfect. I'm not even going to try and attempt that. I'll take my seven <laughs> out of ten. But um, we'll listen, call you back next year, and he'll have a perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have it. I'll have it. I'll have it absolutely nailed. But you have obviously a really interesting, and I'd say a hugely important job now at the moment. Um, can you describe, I suppose, what your role is and what you've been doing for the last number of years? So. Um, I'm, a, I'm a journalist in a small team uh, within BBC News. Um, we have a group of about 10 journalists, and we all look at misinformation, fake news, manipulation, conspiracy theories, um, mostly um, online and on social media platforms, but also in mainstream media that also happens on sort of platforms that are owned by states that might want to peddle narratives that are not entirely accurate, but sort of close to what a particular state wants its citizens to hear and see. And yeah, we sort of every day, our shifts are spent sort of going on sort of the darkest corners of the internet and finding stuff that you know pops up on people's social media feeds and somehow they just decide to believe them i'm definitely one for conspiracy theories anyone that tells me anything that is not true really or based on facts i tend to believe it so word of mouth or you know this is a man-made virus at the moment that we're you know we're dealing with and in five years time there's going to be another one and it's going to wipe us all out and i'm convinced then in my head and then stupidly i will go and spread that i will tell my mom i'll say did you hear about this virus you know and so on and it is a bit naive isn't it well i mean that's that's the power of this sort of stuff and 
important because plenty of the sort of misleading content that we see on social media is designed to uh, directly appeal to some of our senses like, you know, fear, anger, anxiousness. Um, sometimes even joy and the sort of wording of this stuff is particularly designed to either get you really really scared about something or really angry about something or confused and anxious about something and that is when you will then go ahead and share you may actually be aware completely aware that what you're sharing is not you, know, you don't know whether it's entirely accurate but because it made you concerned about something you feel like okay all the people in my circle that are following me or you know see what I post on social media or my friends on WhatsApp I want them to also know about this. Perhaps even you, you, you want them to tell you that, you know, there's nothing to be concerned about. But that's how it spreads. And when it spreads, yeah. it becomes massive. And when it becomes massive, plenty of people just tend to believe that it is true because it's huge. Do you think a part of it has got to do with the fact that maybe if there's not a whole lot going on in your life, it creates a little bit of gossip or drama? I know that sounds terrible, but, you know, spreading something like this, oh, this could be happening, this could be true, and then that's spreading on and it gives someone a talking point yeah i mean it may be that as well um i mean in many cases when it comes to sort of political stuff or elections or referendums and that sort of that those sorts of issues people just share anything because it, it sort of appeals their own political biases so they, they're very very passionate about this political party or this issue or this or another issue that they've been campaigning for and they just share it without even checking whether it's true or not when it comes to other stuff like social and cultural health particularly in the in the context of coronavirus, one of the reasons that coronavirus misinformation was so so huge. I mean, the scale of the scale of it was beyond above and beyond anything we've ever seen. The numbers were just really really like so we we were shocked to see the numbers during the peak of the pandemic. That's probably because people were just concerned for the safety and well-being of themselves and their loved ones and their family members. And this is a new virus. Plenty mm. we don't know about it. Even back in March or February, there was plenty more that we didn't know about it. Now we know a little bit more, but still there are plenty of unknowns. And when something is not entirely clear to you and you don't know all the details, but you do know that it's quite dangerous to you and people that you love, you just tend to share stuff. But this is one of the reasons the number of fake health advice, supposed cures or treatments for coronavirus, not just in this part of the world, but around the world in different languages, we've been tracking them since March. Like they've been really, really viral. And that's because, you know, people are concerned and they were like, OK, plenty of people are dying. Maybe Maybe this will work. Maybe, you know, gargling salt and water will sort of yeah. help you. Maybe having lemon with honey will help you. And that's how it spreads. How long does it usually take you to, like, debunk a story that, is, that you've seen popping up online? Uh, well, it depends on, on the story. It depends on sort of, you know, what it is that is being shared. Sometimes it can take quite a long time. But there are the times that, you know, there's something that is much easier to debunk. Like, you know, as I said, if, if it is, you know, just gargle salt and water and it will help you or you sort of it will immune your it will boost your immune system or there was something in India that was massively viral it was like cow dung you know or a combination of a cow urine it was going around that taking vitamin D tablets so I went out and got vitamin D tablets yeah, yeah vitamin D also vitamin C was sort of that was another one I mean these these types of things are a bit easier because you can just contact a doctor or someone who's in the health sector and you can ask them you know is there any evidence for this but there are other examples that are a little bit more complex so you see a sort of long post on, say, your Facebook feed, and it has some advice that is actually accurate, but also mixed in there is some stuff that is a little bit more dubious. Or, say, theories about the origin of the coronavirus. Yeah. You know, whether it sort of started in a, uh, in a
know, Wuhan market or whether it came out of a lab or we had also back in January, February, we had claims that it sort of traveled from Canada or America. You know, all of this stuff is a little bit more complex because even the researchers and scientists who've been looking into this for months and months now are still not entirely 100% sure about the origin of the virus. We, most scientists, when we speak to them, tell us, yeah, we still think it was most likely, you know, it, it, it jumped from animals to humans. But there is still like a 10%, 5%, 20% possibility that maybe, you know, there's something else at play here. So with those kinds of, with sort of conspiracy theories and misinformation of that kind, it becomes a little bit more complex because even we and the experts who look into this stuff don't exactly know, don't have all the answers. But let's say, you know, something like 5G might have caused coronavirus. Okay, that's, that's easy. We know that. Yeah, you're going to anger some people listening to this now who are filling up their petrol tanks to go down and burn down some 5G towers uh, around the place. And some people are just, you know, there's there's no convincing them. I said, it doesn't matter. It's like a religious belief that they have. They're like, no, no, this is it. But speaking of kind of conspiracy theories, you're obviously been studying these for a while. What has been, um, I don't want to say your favourite conspiracy theory, but some of the maddest kind of theories you've come across and, and had to like debunk? Well, I mean, there's there's plenty of them. As, as, as I just mentioned, like there was one early on during the pandemic, um, and it's sort of, it's continued somehow, you know, it's still really, really viral that Bill Gates and his foundation, the Gates Foundation, somehow knew about the virus back in 2015 and they own a patent for the virus. And so the reason they sort of let the virus loose on the world is because they have these vaccination programs and Bill and Melinda Gates want to make quite a lot of money out of it. I mean, on the face of it, it sounds ridiculous, but yeah. it is really, really viral and it's travelled all around the world in different languages Look, plenty of people are just ready to believe this stuff. Or something else, you know, I mean, moving moving away from coronavirus, like, I mean, QAnon, if your listeners are familiar with QAnon, again, this is a really, really big conspiracy theory in the, in, in the States that somehow President Trump is in touch with some people in U.S. military intelligence, and one of those people, or a few of those people, are now sort of dropping secret information about how they're investigating a group of elites linked to the Democratic Party and also people in Hollywood and the entertainment industry who are secret child abusers and these people are sort of going on 4chan, 8chan previously, it doesn't exist anymore, 8con now, and sort of just sort of dropping all these hints about how this investigation is going on. And John F. Kennedy Jr., who died in the 90s after a crash, after a plane crash, mm. uh, is actually not dead, he's still alive, and he's secretly working with President Trump to uncover all of this. I mean, that's madness. But again, plenty of people believe it. But Cheyenne, do you ever find yourself kind of going, oh, like maybe you come into work hungover someday and you're just going through these things and you're just like, oh my God, what if? And you have to snap yourself out of it and kind of go, hang on, hang on, hang on, let's, let's go through a process. Like you must have a, a checklist to, to, to bring yourself through so that you don't maybe fall into some uh, conspiracy rabbit hole and come out the other end going, it's all true. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the danger of it. I mean, I, it's all, you know, it's very likely that I'm, I've gone a bit mad myself as well by <laughs> just looking at this stuff all the time. Yeah. But yeah, as, as I say, because we sort of see this stuff all the time, some of it is just, oh, okay, this is another version of that one. Oh, you know, yeah. this, is an, this is an iteration of the one we saw last year. You know, it's just somebody's just changed a few sentences or a few words here and there. So that happens as well. But yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe I've, I've gone into madness as well. You know, when something goes viral and it's just getting out of hand altogether, how do you control, debunk the myths around it? Well, um, we try to, um, I mean, the best way of doing it, first of all, is to provide the evidence against it. So, you know, just saying this is mad or, you know, this is insane, don't believe it, that doesn't cut 
it, you have to provide the evidence. Like, you know, when we say all these claims about 5G somehow causing coronavirus is nonsense, we don't just say it. We have to provide the evidence that, you know, people who are experts in tech, in health, have looked into this and, you know, there's absolutely no reason to believe this. Or claims about, as I said, about all the fake cures about coronavirus that sort of been spreading around the world. Again, you talk to medical experts and they tell you, for this reason and this reason, this is nonsense. Um, so it's always important to provide the evidence. The problem for us is when something becomes mega viral, like, you know, millions of people have seen it in different languages, in different countries. Yes. By the time you've investigated it and put out your debunk of that, piece of misinformation, it is highly likely that the same amount of people that saw the original claim will not actually get to see the debunk. And there's not much we can do about that. We can only hope that, you know, at least some of them will. But with really, really mega viral stuff, it's highly unlikely um, that, you know, once by the time you've produced your own story, your own piece on, you know, why this is not true, all of those people that were initially convinced by it will also see the debunk. So is there, do you think there's, like, going forward, that there might have to be like responsibility on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to try and like stop the spread of fake news. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, obviously, initially when these platforms came about, you know, their point of view was, you know, we're just a third party. We're just providing a platform yeah. for people. Uh, you know, they put up whatever they want on there. It's not none of our business. But in a way, they're sort of victims of their own success because they're all so massive now and it's become such an integral part of people's lives that now the sheer amount of content that is produced on there and the amount of people around the world who actually are on those platforms and see those pieces of content it doesn't it, it means that they can no longer say oh we're just a, you know we just we, we have a hands-off approach to all of this and you know it's not our, our responsibility specifically when you have a global pandemic and you have fake treatments and cures that might actually mean some people will try them and they in many cases they might actually be harmful to people or as you said in case of you know people going and burning down 5g mass that is again an actual physical uh, risk to people yeah. we actually did, a, did an investigation last month and we found like in some parts of the world people have actually been hurt because of coronavirus misinformation like for example just just one example in iran um there was this message going around on whatsapp and telegram and other messaging app that alcohol uh, if, if you drink alcohol that will kill the virus in your body not sort of alcohol at the booze that we drink in pubs or bars or restaurants, but sort of industrial alcohol. Mm. And plenty of people just believed it and, and drank it. And obviously they were posed poison. About 400 people actually died within wow. like two months because of drinking it. And plenty more people, like 3,000 people, I think, actually were, um, were had to go to the hospital uh, because they'd been poisoned by it. So, you know, it can actually cause serious damage. And it's the responsibility of the platform, specifically when it might cause actual harm to people, to step in and stop it because it's being shared on their platform. It's just, it's freaky because as I said, they're so big. They're, obviously, these platforms are built around sharing because that's how they, they grow and that's how they've been engineered to grow to increase users and the like. But um, So apart from companies coming in, what would you say to someone, any advice from, from you guys and yourself on how to treat maybe WhatsApp messages you're sent or stuff you come across online that you might be att- you know tempted to go, oh God, I have to share this. Like any 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 advice for those people? Yeah, so, so quickly, the first thing I would say to your listeners is 
is always be suspicious of what you see on social media feed. Just because it's popped up on your Facebook feed or Instagram feed or your Twitter feed doesn't mean it's true. In fact, there's plenty of stuff on there that is not true. So always stop and think before you see something. Does it look like it's true? Does it look like it's something reliable? And then check the source. Is it, is it a source that you know? If you don't know that source, why is it that you don't know that source? Could it be that, you know, it's not entirely reliable? Go on Google. You know, Google is your friend when it comes to checking this stuff. See if there are any other sources reporting reporting this. One, two, three, any other major news organizations reporting this. If it is a story about America, just check whether any American sources are reporting it. If not, you have to ask yourself, why is it that Americans are not reporting this, but, you know, a source in India is reporting it? Always ask yourself, you know, does it look like it is something that may be too... It's sort of appealing to my emotional senses. Like, you know, it's trying to get me really, really angry. It's trying to get me fearful of something. Uh, It's trying to get me to shout at my screen. If that is the case, then again, you have to ask. Pause and ask yourself why. And just because something has been shared by tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, again, this is the power of social media. You see something popping up on your feed and it's been retweeted by 20,000 people or on your Facebook feed and it's been shared by, I don't know, 200,000 people. You immediately feel like, you know, if I don't share this, I'm losing out. You know, it's like I, I haven't seen this or I'm not in on this story, you immediately hit share. So just because it's massively viral does not mean it's true. Be aware of that as well. And also always think about biases. I mean, if it's a particular story about, say, a, a party and it is coming from a source that is known to be hostile to that party, then you ask yourself, could, could it be that this story maybe is not entirely accurate? Or if it is about a particular issue that you care about, but it's coming from a source that is not known to be objective about that issue, again, maybe it's not the best idea. Just try, you know, variety of sources with different uh, viewpoints and different biases so that you get something, you get a better understanding of a story. Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds very good. It's all very scary though, isn't it? Yeah, and you definitely, Sean, have your work cut out for you for the, the next few months, especially, you know, with all the election stuff kicking off in the States, I imagine it's going to, uh, you know, uh, have you under a huge amount of uh, pressure and work for the next few months. But listen, um, where can people follow you on, I know you're on Twitter anyway, but the best place to follow you online and kind of see the stuff that you're debunking and putting out there? Yeah, on Twitter, um, I'm on at Shyan86, so that's S-H-A-Y-A-N 86. My DMs are open and my BBC email is also in my in my bio, so by all means, please get in touch and if you've got stories, you know, we get plenty of stories from actually audiences. You know, they email us or they sort of share on social media stuff with us that they're seeing on their phones or on their social media feeds. Obviously, we can't see everything. So there are plenty of stories that we get from our audiences, so by all means, please get in touch. Love well, listen, Cheyenne Sadar is a dad. Thank you very much for oh. speaking to us this evening on FM 104. Great, thank you. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Cormac and Saoirse here. You're listening to FM 104. Still to come on the show, uh, we're going to be chatting to a guy who was born without any legs and has since gone on to become a champion athlete and champion wrestler as well. Unbelievable story. There's a documentary about him up on Netflix as well. I'm not sure if you can get it here, but uh, we'll be chatting to Zion Clark in a few moments' time. And uh, Saoirse, during that song, uh, had a little bit of an ordeal at home. One of the things about broadcasting from home, I'm in my house, Saoirse's in hers. Uh, one, I think I'm definitely eating more because you've got a kitchen in your own fridge out there which you're going into but uh, what's after happening? Yeah so basically what happened was I was having my my bowl of spaghetti well actually I made spaghetti bolognese with rice instead of spaghetti which yeah it is a bit grim and a lot of people are going to be very confused by that but anyway had finished eating most of the spaghetti part so 
or the bolognese part. So I left a lot of the rice in the bowl, left it on top of the radiator. Fine. Didn't realise that my earphones were underneath the bowl. I went to grab them, threw the bowl off the thing. I saw it happening in slow motion and I just didn't stop it. So you're sitting in a bowl of rice now? <laughs> Filth. Disgusting. No, I actually, I did it downstairs. So, um, yeah, I cleaned it up. <laughs> but I broke the bowl. Oh, nice. And now uh, the cat's running around and she probably is going to be stepping on glass. Yeah. yeah. Are cats able to eat rice? Um, she probably wouldn't try it, but uh, I wouldn't say so, no. wouldn't say it's the best. I think she might be pooing out her bum <laughs> if she does eat that. <laughs> As opposed to out her ears. So uh, she yeah. Does. <laughs> She's done weird things. Uh, but yeah, that is my um, update on my adulthood. I have. Oh, excellent. Excellent adulthood never, about this evening. Yeah, I've never advanced from four. <laughs> um, Max, good evening. Max, listening to us tonight. Yeah, you don't need a good night's sleep, Max. Thank you for the message as well, by the way. Uh, we also got a comment in there. Face bra masks for COVID-19 will be excellent. If you just tuned in a little bit earlier on, we were talking about there's a company that is selling face bras that will help you remove your double chin. So if you're self-conscious about your double chin, get how ridiculous this is. It's a strap for your head, basically, that goes underneath your chin around the top of your head. You have to wear it for 40 minutes, three to four times a week, and it will apparently get rid of your double chin. It's just going to squeeze. Like, I still have a weird thing on my left hand. I used to wear my watch far too tight on my left hand to the point where there was an indentation in my left arm where the watch was. I don't know if you've... I used to wear it far yeah. too tight, like, for, for years. As in, like, there was, it's still there. Like, my, my right arm, I can... is feels a bit more, I don't know, together and solid than my left arm does because my watch was on it for years as a kid and I would wear it far too tight and I would just make a, a, a permanent indentation in my left arm. I do that a lot with bobbins. That happens to yeah. me. And I leave them on during the night. And you kind of wake up feeling like, uh, you know, the blood flow is limited. And then you realise when you wake up that you've had a really tight bobbin on. Yep. Can't be good for you. Oh, no. No, no, definitely not. Uh, definitely not indeed. Uh, still to come on the show, or chat, we'll talk about this next. <laughs> um Miss this and down with that sort of thing carefully. I have to give it a quick mention about uh, an alcoholic monkey who went on a rampage and attacked 250 people. An alcoholic monkey? Alco monkey killed one person, injured 250. And uh, I'll tell you more about that next here on it. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Explain. Every so often you'll see videos. You see videos of people. Remember there was that chicken in the Irish pub that was drinking Guinness and everyone lost. I shouldn't say drinking Guinness. It had a couple of sips of a pint of Guinness and everyone, you know, obviously lost their mind. <laughs> uh, even though the chicken was probably going to be killed and eaten later that night for dinner. Um, and I presume alcohol shouldn't be given to animals anyway. Or humans for that matter. But, but alcohol, um, but animals nonetheless, right? Uh, an Indian man had a pet monkey. I mean, a pet monkey for years, and a reporter's after coming out recently about how the owner gave this monkey so much alcohol that the monkey became dependent on it and would have huge amounts of alcohol every day and would require it as part of his diet. Otherwise, he'd get very, very aggressive if he went without alcohol for a while. Like, typical like withdrawal symptoms when he stopped having it. <clears throat> and uh, recently, he ran out of booze for whatever reason, and he broke out of his cage, and he attacked... Almost 250 people and killed one. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. That's terrifying. Yeah, so he was obviously weirdly withdrawing or detoxing. Um, and uh, the monkey's name, they called him Kalua. Swear to God, can't make well, this he, up. He, he was under the influence. He was withdrawn. He, he was actually, he wasn't drunk at the time. The monkey wasn't drunk at the time. He, he hadn't had alcohol in a while and he went into, I don't know what he went into, delirium tremens, but he went mad. Because, because um, he was missing his alcohol. <clears throat> yeah. And he wound up biting someone so viciously hard that the person wound up dying from their injuries and 200 other people got uh, got attacked. And he has That's to be taken and put into a, uh, into a cage now where he's going to have to spend... A, I'm surprised they didn't just put him down. I'm, you know, is there any hope that for him? Who knows? bizarre. That's I've mad, never even it? heard anything like that being real. I didn't think that monkeys would survive drinking alcohol. I know Surely. they're closely related to us, but yeah, again, cannot be good for them at all. No, absolutely <clears throat> not. And is that a common thing? Are monkeys... I'm not, I don't think it is. I don't think it is a common thing. But this guy said he was a pet monkey. He was kept in with a family and he was fed alcohol and became dependent on alcohol. And then, hey, here's, here's the report. Listen to this. The monkey hit the streets growing aggressive as his body began to crave the booze he had been fed all his life. He attacked indiscriminately, biting over 250 people one man died as a result of the wounds he sustained from the monkey. Mental. It is mental, but mental. isn't that just animal abuse anyway? I mean, they were feeding him it prob- alcohol. It probably is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Probably definitely yeah, is. You'd never have that in a way. So don't be giving uh, alcohol to your monkeys either. Uh, thanks for all the messages in, by the way, of the uh, the clamping video. Uh, I'm not sure if we can talk about it too much because it was obviously a uh, uh, Garda investigation happening, but basically some people were not happy. They were clamped. This happened around the corner from the, the station, by the way, a little bit earlier on. Um, oh. Two people attacking a clamper. <laughs> two women and uh, not happy that they got clamped and uh, attacked the clamper. Um, obviously, yeah, we, we can't comment too much on it. A lot of no. people have sympathy for, for the guy. A lot of people, a lot of people saying, send it in to us saying, you know, that um, they hate clampers and good riddance, but I don't think anyone should be, you don't need to attack the clamper, you need to attack the clamp with an angle grinder and just take it off. 
And then job yeah, done. The clamper, it's not the clamper's fault. That's his job to get paid to do what he has to do. But it's not his fault clamp- he was born without a soul. It's okay. Listen, leave him out. Yeah, that's okay. The clamp itself, though. Now. <clears throat> yeah, the, the one, one thing I would love to do, uh, would love to do in my life, right, would be... Uh, get clamping banned in Dublin. Because I think they've done it over in Scotland. I'm not sure if it's in Edinburgh or Glasgow. I think they've banned in Scotland and I think it might be illegal in France and a few other countries. I would just, I one, don't see the point of clamps. Can't stand them. No, I don't. I think, I agree with you and I think they are such a nuisance and such a hassle and there's nothing wrong with, fair enough, if you're parked illegally and you shouldn't be parked in a certain space, then, do you know what, you should be fined... No, just fine, like you window. would. At least you can drive like home, you're you just would cold if and you, Like a speeding fine or... Uh, points on your licence, penalty points. Whatever. Yeah, whatever they want to do. But I think stopping you from moving your car, if, especially if you're in a rush, there's nothing worse than waiting an hour to get a clamp taken off. It's the, it's the, it's the worst feeling I think you can ever have in your entire life. Is, and that uh, sticker on your window, your, your stomach just sinks. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? You, the second you see that, you know it's done because you, you check out to see if the uh, the wheel is clamped and you can't see maybe it's on the other side. If you see that yellow thing, sticker thing stuck to your window, that's it. You're done. Yeah. The embarrassment, oh. the shame of walking to your car, everyone's oh. walking by you. They look at you. They're like, oh, I hate that. It's embarrassing. And then you go on a big, you go on a big rant in your head. You're like, I'm going to say it to him. I'm going to say it to him. I'm going to yeah. say it to him. And then you're like, oh, sorry, thanks, thanks, sorry. Yeah, when it comes and up, you ring up and you pay the clamp and you say, <laughs> you yeah, no worries tip. if it's taking five hours to come out. That's perfect. No worries, I've all day. <laughs> the the worst clamp I, I ever had was, and I think private clampers are worse than the city centre ones, the ones on the council. I think private clampers are worse. They I, they must be on commission. I think the Dublin City Council ones are on commission as well. And I heard a report, this was years ago, that the clampers were losing money every year. It wasn't even making the council any money with the cost of petrol and stuff. That might be different now. But <clears throat> I lived in a in a, uh, like an apartment complexy place and you know the way they build them now where they're like everyone gets 1.25 car parking spaces and you're like for God's sake. So oh, yeah. uh, I had to park like we had a space in a car park but we only had one so we, we would take turns parking outside or underground and then for whatever way it happens there was no parking outside. But around the corner there was uh, spaces for the shops so there was a, a centre around the corner and they had a little parking area there, but you could only park for a maximum of, of an hour. It was like parking for an hour and then blah, blah, blah. And then the shops would open at 7 o'clock. So you, don't, you couldn't park there overnight or for the entire day. So I came home one night. It must have been about 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And I had to be up at half five. So I was out the door at half five. There was no parking spaces anywhere. Like I drove around for ages. There was none there. So I said, come here now. The shop isn't even open until 7 o'clock or half six. And I'm going to be leaving at about five, half five. So I'll park it there for a couple hours and I'll be grand. Went home, got a couple hours of sleep, walked back out, clamp on the car. Done. They watch you. I'm telling you now, they watch you going in. Happened to me going to Tesco a while ago. And I parked the car, thought, you know what? I'm actually going to put on... The hazard lights. <laughs> that will show that yeah. I'll be back in five minutes. So I did yeah. that, walked in, there was no queue, came back out, clamped. He was yeah. there, he was putting it on at the time, actually, in fairness to him, and I begged and pleaded. I told him, you know, I didn't have money and I, t- I gave him every story under the sun and he just didn't care. Yeah. He's like, it's, it's the process has started, I'm going to continue doing this now. He got a ring. And, and like, so you can't even ring and have him wait around to take it off. He goes off and you have to ring and then you have to wait for him to come back. I'm, I'm just one. 
Oh, it's just heartbreak. Heartbreaking at the bi- biggest stress of your life. I'm just wondering, would people support my campaign to ban clamping? I think they would. And how many times have you said, I'm just going to pop here and I won't even go into a car park because I'm only going to be five minutes. And you think, oh, the car park per hour would be about, could be eight euro, depending on where you're yeah. parking in Dublin. And then you come out and it's clamped and you're paying 80 to 120 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 